Welcome to Research Bites, the podcast about research students and early career researchers and their journeys in academia. My name is Imtiaz Desai and I'm joined by co-host Felix Cohane, fellow PhD student and also Lachlan Gray. And today we are going to be talking to our first non-faculty of medicine, I think, guest, Anastasia Suragiadi. Did I pronounce that okay? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> Welcome, Anastasia, to Research Bites. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Talk what? about stuff. Talk about stuff. <laughs> Talk about your stuff, really. Okay. Yeah. So what we'd like to do is get a little bit of insight into your background, what you did in undergrad, and perhaps your early postgraduate studies and how that's led you to where you are now. So let's start off with your undergrad. Where and what did you do for undergrad? All right, so when I first started my undergrad, I was in the flexible first year engineering degree. So like a lot of people, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> um, but I know I like physics, I like maths. Okay, not so much maths, but more <laughs> physics. So yeah, I thought like, okay, I want to do engineering. And why not physics, science? Well, because I like hands-on stuff, I like to make things. So I thought like, okay, engineering. Which engineering? Who knows? Mm. There's so many of them, especially at UNSW, there's like mixture of stuff as well. Of course, there's the classic electrical, mechanical, but there's also like mechatronic. And yeah, there's a lot of... I always of thought that's the coolest engineering, mechatronics. It's just the coolest sounding one. Robots. Yeah, it was like making robots, right? I thought so too. And I was thinking, but I don't know. I, I like electrical, I like computing, I like so many things. I don't like chemical. That's it. Like, I like, I just not going to do chemical and the rest is like, I don't know. So in this program, there is one course that I... I did that make me decide I want to go to PV. Um, I can't really remember what's the name and probably now the name is different, but it's basically, it's a general course about renewable energy. And of course we learn about like climate change and global warming and things like that. And for some reason, that was the only course that I have emotional kind of feeling. Mm. And when I learn about climate change, global warming and things like that, that's kind of like, okay, maybe this is what I want to do because I kind of have like, like I said, a bit of more emotional attachment. Mm. The other one that I really enjoy was actually computing. And that was my initial plan. I was like, oh, I like gaming. Maybe I should go through like, you know, something computing, making games. That would be fun. But... At the same time, I was like, do I want to make something fun as my job? Because sometimes it's difficult, you know? You need to separate your hobby from your work. Yeah. Mm. So I keep it as like, okay, it's just something fun to do and I do it as my hobby. So I went through the whole fourth year of photovoltaic engineering degree. One of the lecturer in my third year, I think, his name is Ivan Perez Werfel. And sorry, where to interrupt, but where did you do your undergrad? Oh, sorry, I didn't say that, did no, I? No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's UNSW. Oh, I might have missed that. Was Oops. it at UNSW? Yes, okay. it was in, in UNSW. Maybe I should have started with that. <laughs> anyway, obviously, this is not scripted. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so 
he was sorry go back to this guy his name is Ivan he is so passionate about the course that he's teaching and he's passionate about education and everything around it and I kind of like inspired by him and I, I don't know like I want to do something that I feel can be meaningful and education become that after I see him so I follow him for taste of research and then I did my fourth year thesis with him and so at the end of my undergraduate de uh, degree I kind of like tell Ivan, Ivan, I want to do PhD with you. <laughs> I don't care what the subject is. I just want to do it with you because I felt like he's someone that I can learn from. And like I said, he's such an inspiration for me with his passion. So from that on, I decided I want to do PhD because I want to pursue education. Um, is, is that common in engineering? Mm -hmm. Is there a PhD, is that a common um, pathway? Um, Unfortunately for PV back then, so it was like five years ago, you can already guess how old I am. <laughs> um, there, there are not a lot of industry oh. in Australia. Mm -hmm. So back then, if you want to do PV jobs, you probably have to go overseas. Mm. And just to, for the listeners who maybe don't understand, PV photo... Voltaics. The voltaics, <laughs> these are part of solar cells. Renewable energy? Uh, yeah, so renewable energy, of course, there's like wind energy, solar energy, geothermal, everything. So I focus on photovoltaics. So basically making solar cell, designing solar cell, everything around solar cell. And that's a whole engineering undergrad degree. Like, yes. in focus. Yes. Wow. So obviously it's a very um, non-traditional way because it's very specialized. Yeah. yeah. Right? But... The degree is kind of, okay, you start with kind of like general knowledge about PV in the first year and second year, but you have to choose elective from different faculty of engineering that's related to PV. So for example, you can go through build and build environment, I think yeah, that's what it's called. environment, yes. And so we will be talking about like building design, how do we implement solar cell in a building? How do we implement energy efficiency? Mm. But you can also go through the mechanical route then you learn thermodynamics, uh, heat transfer, all this. Or you can go electrical, then you're talking about like power transfer, like how the distribution for electricity is. Um, you can also go microelectronics, then it will become more on the solar cell itself, like how do we make power control and conditioning and stuff like that. So yeah, you have to take those electives. So it's, it's a bit... And, and what did you do? I did electrical. Electrical. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I like power electronics. So and you know, all things electrical basically. So yeah, that's what I did and and yeah, I don't know, register stuff feels so real. Like I can actually imagine in my head. I cannot imagine molecules <laughs> mixing with each other. <laughs> or like biology is like I don't know my body works and I don't care. It just works. But <laughs> you, you, you're like um, you like logic, like gates and switches and yes. circuits and. Well, we learned that in digital electronics. It was so fun. <laughs> we we make like mini piano during the lab. Oh, this was so fun. <laughs> I think some people will think that it's so stressful, but I I think I always tell my students, if you like it, you will find it easy. So hopefully, 
wherever state you are right now, you find what you like because it will become easy. Totally. And I actually remember there was this like one power electronic books. It was like 500 pages or something. It was probably the only book that I actually read <laughs> during my undergraduate as I don't know in your faculty, but like all courses usually have like, you know, recommended Sometimes. books and stuff. Yeah. I usually just, you know, browse like, okay, or whatever, work. <laughs> but there's one book about power electronics that I literally read like a bedtime story for me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, you, you, you might think, oh, such a nerd. But honestly, if you like it, it's not hard. Mm. And do you, do you think your, um, maybe your, your, your passion for this and, and why you've continued to stay in this field is because coming back to that humanity, that element mm. of like, this is something meaningful and practical is do you think that's that plays a role or you just love how electricity works <laughs> no i i I, uh, I think i share a bit with mts uh, on our uh, meeting before that i really want to do something that is impactful so um yes i do some projects that kind of like change the efficiency of the solar cell or making it cheaper or that's a long-term effect of that i guess mm -hmm. like when the industry employ it um Actually, before all this war happened, one of my collaborators really literally asked us like, Anastasia, your technology work. Can you tell me what machine to buy, how to run it, and what should I do? Basically everything. Like he asked me for economical analysis. How do I implement your technology in my factory? Mm. So that was super exciting. And mm. then war happened. Mm. and things happen so it becomes complicated now but that's the thing that I want to do like obviously when you do research you spend three years doing exactly the same thing over and over again <laughs> and try to make it better and better and then once industry heard about it it can take like only one month to actually implement it mm. so that was very exciting but not just that like I said like my first love with research is the education part of it because I, I, I have my feeling is like I feel more satisfied like getting students to understand how things work and inspire them to do something about their knowledge than getting a world record mm. so one of my work like um, two years ago we got a world record but I don't know it was like Yay, we got a world record! And then I was like, okay, what's next? Well, what was the world record for? Uh, so we designed a um, tandem solar cell. So I guess that's... that's I think we should, we, should, we should start from the very beginning <laughs> for people. Because <laughs> yeah. I, you know, researching for this, this, this podcast, um, I realized I really did not know how a solar cell worked. And, you know, I... After a couple of YouTube videos and the old website and trying to read the papers that you've put out, <laughs> uh, you were just staring at words I've never seen before. Um, just how would you explain to to just like an average average listener how does a solar cell work? Well, I think the most uh, simplest thing is um, a solar cell is a semiconductor devices that. Um, or absorb light and convert it into electricity and different material have kind of like different uh, theoretical limit for that mm. and the most mainstream material at the moment is silicon 
theoretically, the efficiency can only go up to 29%. So that means of the energy it takes in, it can only use 29% of it? Um, when you talk about efficiency, basically it's like how much power in and how much power oh, out. Yeah. So that's a lot of process mm. involved inside, mm. not just like, um, I guess it's also like, like MTS, you, you, you work with exercise. So it's like how much you eat and then how much you can <laughs> expand. expand when you go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, it's like if you, if that can be calculated, basically that's the efficiency. Right. So it's not high right. and and that's why there's still a lot of research going mm -hmm. on how to use different material mm. um, to increase that improve the efficiency correct but the problem is there are materials mm -hmm. that can have higher efficiency but it's either it's toxic it's a rare material or it's very expensive to make so all these things mm, so right. that's why there's still a lot of research to make you know all this expensive rare material either become cheaper or we use the material more efficiently and things like that and what specifically are your research doing for that like what so areas are they doing? i am a fabricator so i actually like to go to the lab and make solar cell and because of that, I actually make a lot of different solar cells from different materials. So yes, I work with uh, silicon that, like I said, can go up only to 29%. But I also work with like um, uh, a stack of materials that maybe... So for like a mainstream solar, it's only silicon inside. But I have another project where we try to get into 50%. And it's like... 20 different layers on top of each other mm. so you can imagine to make silicon solar cell the mainstream one it take i don't know one day yeah for this 15 20 layers it can take one month so that's why i am doing what i'm doing it's like trying to get this 50 percent kind of solar cell you know cheaper faster yeah. to make and, mm. you know all these things because eventually we probably want to have more options in a way yeah so that's your current research mm -hmm. as a postdoctoral fellow here at UNSW what was your PhD project on so my PhD is also like this fabrication of like difficult <laughs> solar cell so when I said tandem it's literally like you know tandem bikes yeah so it's like you can have two people on a bike so when I said tandem solar cell, it means there are two different solar cells that's kind of like on top of each other. So that is my project when I was in, uh, doing undergrad. So um, we need to optically optimize each individual cell, either electrically or optically. So yeah, in general, that's what I did. And until now, I can say it's kind of still what I did, but I expanded the material. So I work with many different materials now. So is that what a lot of the research in solar cells kind of looks like? Like uh, just continually trying to shave off different costs and things. Is that where sort of innovation comes from? Or is there kind of like this really big discovery where, you know, oh my God, we've discovered you know, silicon or some, some new material, or is it more like chipping away? 
Um, I am working on the chipping away part, yeah. but there is a big group here that looking for new materials. Right. So as I mentioned, like how can we use a material that's like abundant, but not toxic, mm. but also stable and also produce efficiency. So it's all like... things in the balance. <laughs> exactly. And also be affordable to the average consumer. Yeah. Right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah, that's why like there's... I, I'm not sure in how big is the faculty of medicine, but I think in faculty of engineering, we are the biggest research group compared to other faculty. So almost like if you want to ask me, do you look into this or do you look into that? The, Probably. Answer, probably. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so from, from my understanding, the use of, of silicon is because it has like a free electron that's like knocked off when the sun hits it, right? Or it's, 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 it's with the photon, it's moved around, like the electrons are... Well, now, I, should, I, I, I came in strong and I was like... You open a can of worms here. So silicon is, is the, the common um, one, okay. and you're saying that that's like your basic model. Yeah. You're looking at different materials. Is, are these materials to um, have the same function that silicon has or to supplement silicon or...? So, let me think how to do say this. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. So basically, in every material, we have electrons. When I mention semiconductor, it means that the electron is not free to move around. Yeah? In metals, there's a lot of free electrons, so it's mm. easily just transfer mm -hmm. electricity. But in semiconductor, you need like a kick on those electrons to go up into the conduction band. So we call like when it becomes like a free electron, that means the electrons is sitting on a conduction band. Mm -hmm. So luckily the name makes sense, it's a <laughs> conduction band. So when you kick an electron up to conduction band, you can do it um, in different ways and for photovoltaics is by photon mm -hmm. which is the uh, sun light yeah so different material need different energy like that electron in different material need a different energy to be kicked off into the conduction band mm -hmm. so for silicon the band gate is 1.1 ev it might not mean a lot but let's just think like okay it, one and point one EV is the material characteristic. That one point one EV band gap will be related to the voltage, and you know how power is voltage times current, right? So different material actually have different band gap. So yeah. if we have a higher band gap, that means we need a higher energy photon. Right. But it also means the voltage that come out from that material is higher. Oh, you're right. But the current will be lower. Why? Because the sun doesn't have um, it, the sun have a spectrum of photon different with different wavelength. energies. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's actually one of the biggest loss. We cannot observe the whole mm. wavelength of oh, the, the sun. sun. Mm. In, so, in the material, you can't, sorry, the different wavelengths coming from the sun affect the material differently and some produce more or less voltage, is that? Yeah, so the, when I say the, the, the voltage, um, sorry, the band gap is fixed. Band gap is fixed. Each, for each material, it's yeah. fixed. <laughs> you can't really change it so much. But you can imagine the high energy uh, from the sun 
probably can produce a lot of free electrons. Yeah. But the low energy from the sun, they can't produce a lot of it. So it depends on this band gap of the material. Some of them can absorb 20% of the light from the sun. Some can absorb 80% mm -hmm. of the uh, um, energy from the sun. But so the how much photon it absorbs and becomes electron, that's current. But the energy that that electron has in your material is voltage. So there's a little bit of like trade-off between current yeah, and yeah, voltage, voltage and that's why we need to find like, okay. The perfect spot. Yes. The sweet spot. This yes. might be a dumb question, but does this change depending on geographic location in the world? Yes, so obviously the sun is not like, like in the summer when you look at the sun it looks brighter yeah. than, than winter. winter. So yes, different, uh, the solar cell will work differently in geographical so like if we have one here versus one in America, it might be much more efficient or something. Yeah, and also remember the angle of the sun is actually changing throughout the day and throughout the season. So it's very easy to know that just by looking at the sun, like if you look directly to the sun, it's so bright. Mm -hmm. But if you look away, it's not so bright. Mm -hmm. That tells you how much intensity you actually get if mm -hmm. you actually look directly. So imagine that your solar cell is actually facing the sun all the time, mm -hmm. following throughout the day. Then the intensity will be optimum. Yeah. But can you change the roof angle <laughs> throughout the day? Yeah. No. So that's why we kind of have to find like an optimum mm -hmm. angle for roof. But if you have a solar farm, a lot of them actually have a single axis tracking. Mm -hmm. So you can, okay, maybe if you uh, take a video throughout the day, you can see them moving. Yeah. But yeah. I actually saw on the International Space Station, they have obviously solar panels to power that and they, they rotate in multiple axes because obviously it's going around the earth, but then, so the sun is kind of moving all around mm -hmm. these different angles. Yes. So they have to like control the solar panels in these kind of cool ways. Yeah, yeah that's right. So yeah. one of my projects is on um, designing solar cell for space as well. Really? In that's, so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> and actually we have a student project, like third year students are learning about this, so we are super excited because I think the students are super excited as well. I'm going to quit my PhD and do that. <laughs> yeah, so obviously technology has gone a long way now that you know you can have this like wing or solar cell and kind of like following the sun. In the past, we are not very smart. You can see like some of them actually more like a ball mm. or like the solar cell on every angle. <laughs> right. uh, exactly. Yeah. And that like satellite was just like kind of rolling in space. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, okay, where to put the solar cell? Just everywhere because <laughs> we don't know when the solar cell actually facing the sun. Yeah. So yeah, we've, we, we have gone a long way and yeah, it's fascinating to see how the design of satellites and space station change yeah. throughout the year. I have a, a question um, uh, sort of about throughout your undergrad, uh, you mentioned like a lot of, it was a, a very emotional, like oh. in terms of learning about climate change and things. Do you ever face sort of um, pushback in terms of politics or people doing the work that you do? Like is this, is politics at all intertwined into your degree, I guess. Um, definitely, especially yeah. because we are in Australia. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think um, 
I don't know. Like I think the funniest one is like, is it global warming or global cooling? It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get someone saying that to me. Once. I so much. Like so, uh, honestly, uh, after after a couple of time having this debate and stuff, I kind of like, okay, you know what? Forget about global warming. Do we want to live sustainably? Because you know, whether or not there's global warming, fossil fuel is not here forever. Hmm. Whereas renewable energy, like it can last a lot longer. So I was kind of like, okay, whatever your political view is, <laughs> or do you believe in all these things, it's still better to go renewable. And now, especially maybe the last five years, it's not only better for your environment, it's also better for your pocket. Mm-hmm. So from the economical point of view it already makes more sense to go renewable mm. and also uh, you, you know without going too far into the war in ukraine but that's been a bit of a conversation about how you know by by having um, re- renewable energy that you can um, generate you know on site you know mm. through like green hydrogen or um, solar panels or geothermal and all the other different things that we can do you don't really require these um, these these gas um, imports yep. and coal exports imports these sort of massive geopolitical uh, dances yeah. when you can generate it yourself so yeah. sort of like um, depoliticize um, energy that's that's an idea of yeah of so I think the idea that being pushed forward now is like energy independency because yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know we don't have to depend on any country yeah, or country. yeah anymore because especially maybe it's a good wake-up call yeah and australia is i think this might be incorrect but i think we're, we're kind of like a leader in terms of solar is that right in terms of technology 90 percent of the solar cell that being produced right now is invented here that's amazing right. wow so and we've got a pretty high like the dynamic service being produced in china though they right. are, but yeah. that's because we don't have manufacturing industry here. Mm. Oh, right. So yeah. whoever listened to this and have a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> please think about that. But then, I guess like this, this comes back to what we were talking about before, that there is a, there is a inbuilt limit on how much energy you can, um, you can produce from solar, solar cell. Do you think... And also, of course, there's all these issues of um, uh, accessing the resources. You know, you mentioned these sort of rare materials that can be a very challenging thing. Some of them being very toxic and all these costs and everything associated. Do you think that we will be able to power, not exclusively of solar, of course, but a large proportion of our energy demands from solar? Do you see a future where that's that's possible or, or are there too many limitations that, that might be, you know, well, I don't know if you heard, but we have a big project here in Australia by 5B. No? Oh. So what they want to do is we, they want to make a massive solar farm in the middle of Australia to sell electricity to Singapore. Oh, yeah. They've, I've heard of that's the sun, the sun grids, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's already kind of guide you that we have so much to the point that we even sell electricity. Yeah, they, they're literally going to have like massive cable mm. going to Singapore. Wow. But 
So I, I guess then it's about implementation, like because there's only, I, I looked at I think there was like, it's a small percent of our electricity comes from solar, like nationally. Yes, so let's go back to your question about the politics. Yeah, so we can design them, but we can't implement them. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that's the biggest um, hurdle. I mean, this technology that, like I said, the 80, 90% of people are already using, that was invented in 1980s, 1990s. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we can actually do it here. Instead, we kind of like give China mm. that technology and then they manufacture, they manufacture it. it. Mm. And I guess if you look at the price, like the last 10 years, there have been massive reduction in the price because China just, you know, do a lot of manufacturing. Yeah. The government are very, very supportive of this. Yeah. And they build kind of like a competitive environment, which sometimes is a good thing because it encourages innovation, improvement, all these things. Yeah. So I am involved in, um, there was a little discussion about why don't we make PV manufacturing here in Australia? Obviously, the cost is a lot higher than if you make in China. In China, yeah. But one of the biggest problem is the infrastructure is not available here. Mm. So again, I think no matter how much money business people have, it really needs a big support from the government mm. because most of the time that's where the you know the transportation can be made and things like that. or yeah. the infrastructure. I think that needs a big push from the government. Yeah, yeah. So some. Uh some exciting research and some big hurdles to overcome. So in that regard, what is what is next for you? What are some big things you're currently working on and what are you planning <laughs> on? <laughs> what are you planning on working on? Well, I am actually leaving UNSW in two months because I got this job opportunity in Oxford. Oh, nice. So um, the project is also related to make you know, a passive, a better solar cell, so it efficient, higher efficiency and things like this. But I think the the biggest thing that I like about this opportunity is I've been in UNSW for twelve years. <laughs> okay, maybe there's another hint about what my age. Is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I, I I felt like I have learned so much from the people here and how the education system and everything. And now I'm going to, you know, literally the other part of the world, the world to learn more about the science, but also how, you know, education is being taught there. And mm. I'm, like I said, I, I, it's not that I forgot my passion on education because that's still something that, you know, I want to improve the education system that we have here. I'm pretty sure there's some things that I can learn more there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and if I was given an opportunity to come back, hopefully I can share some of that experience. Amazing, that's quite exciting. Congratulations on, yeah. uh, Thank you very on much. that appointment. Yeah, I think uh, not so much a loss to UNSW or Australia, it could certainly be a gain because of what you're gonna gain there. It's ultimately gonna be good for the people here. Yeah. If you had to go back to you, as a first year PhD student, mm-hmm. what is one piece of advice you would give yourself back then? Hmm. That's a very hard question. <laughs> I think 
I had too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> too many late nights reading an elect electrical engineering textbooks. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, that's. Um, yeah, 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 you're not allowed to have fun. During <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, answer. honestly. Um, um, in the first year, you know, after I finished high school, I was like, oh my god, I studied so much, why do I go to university? But it's, it's, it's not that I had too much fun, but I, I, I play online gaming every night and my quality of life probably not very good. Okay. <laughs> so that's probably something that I will tell myself because I... I give up sports <laughs> for games. This is great advice. Keep it coming. Give up sports. So I don't know. That's nothing I, I can say about the educational bit. I guess. Um, it's I, more lifestyle thing. You're yeah, no, I feel it's more lifestyle because from high school to university, it's like I don't know. I was like, okay, now I just want to enjoy. Like I don't <laughs> care about my life anymore because I, like I said, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. In the second year, yes, I found out what I want to do. But in the first year, I was like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I was being too emotional back then on like hating study. Mm. So I'm, I was very glad that I met inspirational people. But I think we cannot always depend on meeting the right people. Yeah. Mm. It's all have to come from yourself. Mm. So I think that will be what I say, like, don't, don't, don't just give up on life mm, just yeah. because sometimes you hate studying. <laughs> and I guess also seek out the inspirational people, like you saw this person and, and you know, went for it. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I am very, I'm jealous of the first year students. There was like so many things you can do now. There's so many clubs yeah. and stuff that you can join, like back then. I think maybe because like I was kind of like, oh, I came here, I don't know anyone, so I just glued to my computer, yeah. <laughs> that's it, I don't really socialize. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, yeah, that would be the only thing that I would say to myself back then. <laughs> yeah. it's good advice. I like that, it's good advice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for the chat, it was awesome, I loved hearing about it. Um, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see everyone for our next episode next time. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on all your podcast channels, Spotify, Apple, and RSS feed too. And we look forward to our next guest soon. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.